listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Hour three of Miller and Moulton on this Monday. Thanks so much for being with us. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Henry Yoho, boltsbythebay.com to join us coming up momentarily, talking about the lightning. And man, oh man, what is going on there? Losers of a handful in a row? Just maybe the worst weekend of hockey they've played in, I don't know, 15 years maybe? Henry's kind enough to join us right now. Fan side, it's boltsbythebay.com, boltsbythebay.com. Follow the site on Twitter at boltsbythebay. Henry, it's David and Mark once again. What in the wide world of sports is going on? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, like like you mentioned, it's been a, uh, a difficult last week or so uh, coming out of the trade deadline. Um, yeah, this is probably, you know, the toughest stretch that this team has had over the last uh, two or three years. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they've been able to do anything right, you know, connecting passes, uh, the p- power play, penalty kill. You know, it doesn't seem like anything's really going their way right now. So it's definitely a, uh, a challenging stretch that they're going through right now for sure. Well, how surprised were you by yesterday? They make the move. Cooper makes a move. He benches the top line after they played lousy for two periods against the Sabres, and they end up coming back. They play hard. They don't win, but they play a good third. That's usually the recipe to get a good Sunday performance or a next-day performance. They got whooped by Carolina. I mean, they got just housed. They had four shots through two periods. How do you explain what happened through the first two periods yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, like you mentioned, um, you know, Saturday in Buffalo, that was a huge – Huge moment, I think, over the course of the season. I think it would be definitely a, a moment that we look back on, uh, for better or worse, you know, for uh, where this team ends up going down the road. And I think that you could have totally expected that the Lightning would have uh, come out with a much better effort uh, in yesterday's game, uh, following you know their three biggest star forwards, you know, um, right in the bench for the final period of the day before. Um, but yesterday, you know, honestly. I I really couldn't explain really what what went on yesterday. I mean, for one, I mean it's challenging playing back to back games, of course, in the NHL, especially two afternoon games in a row. It's just something different. And Carolina's a great team. You know, they're probably the most difficult team to play against, especially uh, defensively. The way that they the way that they defend as a group is is a huge challenge. But you know, of course, as a team that you're going to have to play in the playoffs if you want to make a run the whole way. Um, but it was it was a it was a great challenge that they had at hand and, and they certainly weren't up to it yet at that point. So I think that you know, I think everyone might have been a little bit uh shaken up at that point, following the way things had gone uh the day before. And I think it's really just a mental thing at this point with this group. Just um you know, I think that there's maybe just a lack of confidence right now at the moment based on the way things have been going. Follow Henry on Twitter at Henry Yoho Y O H O Bolts by the Bay dot com. Bolts by the Bay com. Well, they play tomorrow night at home against Philly. Yeah. Uh, you know, Henry, we haven't said this much for a long, long time, but it kind of feels like the Lightning really need to win a regular season game tomorrow night. I mean, mm-hmm. five in a row for a team this talented. I understand they played a lot of hockey the last three years and they could be bored at times. But come on, Henry, when 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 your best players get benched so publicly and then you follow it up with that kind of performance, 
that's like the locker room almost saying to the head coach, uh, yeah, do me a favor, shut up. Okay, yeah. you just do what you got to do. We'll do what we got to do. But, you know, Henry, this is the first time in a long time in which we actually raise a question about the locker room, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like you mentioned, um, you know, one thing that's gone through my, my mind is like how you mentioned, uh, you know, maybe sometimes they, they'll kind of go into cruise control in the regular season based on, uh, you know, how many late playoff runs that they've had and so many more meaningful games, but I agree. I think, I think tomorrow is definitely an important game um, just for this group, you know, mentally, you know, Philadelphia is coming in here. Uh, they haven't had a very good season. Uh, it's, it's definitely a, a game where they can sort of get, get back on track and start feeling good about where they're at right now. And, um, you know, I think if, if they do struggle and they, they don't win, I think that the questions for obvious reasons will start to raise even more about where, where this team's at right now. But, um, you know, I, I think that they'll, I think they should be up to the challenge. They're, they're such a talented group, and I, I do believe that they can get this thing uh, straightened out at some point. But, you know, if, if things don't go well tomorrow, I think that the uh, the questions will certainly uh, will heat up, and I think deservedly so. Yeah, if they don't win tomorrow, I mean, doesn't it look like the benching of the star players backfired, Henry? I mean, quite frankly, I mean, there's no other way to look at this. If they can't win tomorrow, when you come out and you bench your best players, they lose 6-0, and you get the lowly Philadelphia Flyers. If they don't win, it looks like Cooper's benching's backfired. Yeah. Yeah, for for sure. Like in the uh, in the short term, it definitely looks like uh, that big move didn't really really uh, pay off. You know, at, at this point, you know, uh, you know, I guess down 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 the road, it could still be sort of a turning point point moment. But if if things don't get uh, straightened out now, the the questions will see will keep coming. And um, you know, Philadelphia, you know, they they present a challenging team. Like you mentioned, they haven't they haven't been a very good team this year. But um, you know, there's still guys on that team that are playing hard, playing for their careers. So it'll be still a different, different sort of challenge. And Philadelphia came in here and they won uh, against the Lightning on opening night. So it'll still be a, a great challenge. I think it'll be a, a time where the Lightning really have to uh, sort of look inward and try to get, try to just get their confidence back at a team that they should certainly beat at home. And uh, they've been pretty great at home, you know, this season for the most part. And they've got you know four four games in a row here at home, and it's a great chance to tr- sort of uh, right the ship here. Philly, Vegas, Chicago, Winnipeg. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, as Henry mentioned, all at home. They're five points behind the Leafs with 19 games left to try to be the two seed and have home ice in that expected first-round playoff series. Uh, Henry, let's take the this last week and a half and put it to the side. Final question. Mm-hmm. Is there an area, you know, we're past the trade deadline now. They made their big move. Is there an area of this team that you look at and you go, you know, they're going to have to get it done, but they're kind of shorthanded here. If so, where is here? Yeah, uh, I think that most people would probably point at the uh, at the defense group. Um, you know, they elected to not make a move um, on deadline day to bring in a defenseman. And essentially, uh, you know, general manager Julian Breezeball betting on the uh, the defense group that the team has in place now. I think that their their blue line group is a little bit thinner than it's been in past years. And essentially, he took the gamble to roll with the guys that they've got now. And um, you know, if they, you know, they've already recalled uh, Darren Radish from the uh, the American Hockey League. He's got into a couple games, and I think that they're betting on you know maybe a couple of the guys they have down there to bring in. Uh, a little bit of extra depth. So, you know, with the 
salary cap constraints that they were facing and the, uh, the lack of assets that they had. They weren't able to bring in a defenseman. So I think it's a bit of a gamble rolling with the group that they have because I think that the, uh, the defense core is a little bit uh, thinner than it has been in past years. Henry, thanks for making time for us. We appreciate your time and your insight. All the best going forward. Boltsbythebay.com. Boltsbythebay.com. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Five in a row for the Lightning. Awful weekend. And got you whacked know? yesterday after. I mean, that's yeah. like, you know, we pointed out they play Buffalo. They bench their top line. They make a pretty valiant effort to come back without it. Okay. Usually the way that works is you get a response. And I know it's two games in two days, and I know that's not easy. But six spit to get out shot, what was it, 24-4 to in the first two periods? To not get a shot on goal in the second period? In an NHL hockey game. Do you know how hard that is? It's almost like you have to work at it. Man, oh, man. It's almost like there was a bet in-house. Hey, let's see if we can play this period and not get a shot on goal. Are you serious? Yeah, let's try it. Well, there's no doubt that they are missing Ryan McDonough. They had to get rid of McDonough for the salary cap reasons, and it was a difficult decision for them, and he accepted a trade to Nashville. But they miss him. I mean, Ryan McDonough was, I believe, their second-best defenseman. And he was somebody who could play the heavy minutes, the penalty kill minutes, so that Hedman could play the five-on-five and power play minutes. And, Mark, I think they miss him. And I definitely think that they will miss him even more in the playoffs. And they have played a staggering amount of hockey in a short period of time. And yet, with all of this being said, no matter what happens between now and the regular season, and the end of the regular season, the amount of pressure that their first-round opponent has versus the amount of pressure that they will have is staggeringly different. No matter how the regular season ends up, unless somehow, some way, they fall to fourth, which is, I mean, they would have to continue at this pace really for the rest of the season and going two, five, and three in their last 10. And to give you an idea, they have an 11-point lead over the fourth-place team. And the top three teams in every division are guaranteed making the playoffs. And two plays three in the division. And that's Tampa and Toronto. And Toronto hasn't gotten out of the first round since, what, 2004? That's not a joke, by the way. That's a true fact. They've lost like you know eight, nine consecutive playoff series. And they had a 3-2 lead on the Lightning last year and lost game six in overtime and lost a one-goal game seven at home. So all the pressure in the world on Toronto. And you're right. Tampa will get to play a series, you know, with house money, so to speak. They won't feel that way, maybe. But the pressure on the Leafs will be astounding. But right now, this is fascinating. We have... When was the last time when they got swept by Columbus that we questioned Cooper and the team and whether or not there's a disconnect? Well, I, I'm i just stunned that Cooper benches the top players and they come out and lay an egg the way they did. I just did not see that coming against Carolina. Too big of a game, too important of a game against a good team, and they got housed yesterday. 
So tomorrow night at home against the Flyers, who are not a good team, a bottom 10 team in the league. There's no one on the Flyers that is a threat to the Lightning. If they, if they show up and want to play tomorrow, they should win 5-2. No sweat either. So in we'll fact, see. Tampa should be in the minus 320 range tomorrow for that game. No matter who they're playing in goal tomorrow night. Four-game homestand, Philly, Vegas, Chicago, Winnipeg. What do you, th- what do you say? Got to take at least three of them? Got to get minimum six points, maybe seven out of this homestand? I'd be fine with five the way they've been playing. Give me two, one, and one right now. Miller and Moulton, when we come back, Can you eat breakfast for dinner? We discuss the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. First Monday of the month. Hope you had a good weekend. Thanks for starting your week off with us. You miss any part of the show? Go to FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Download what you've missed. Like we just talked, a little Rays and a little Lightning. Steve Carney talking Rays. Henry Yoho talking a little Lightning. The tragic passing of longtime Rays broadcaster Dave Wills yesterday morning. And then also a quick little Rays preview. The new rule changes and what have you. And then the Lightning are in disarray. I mean, it's a regular season. Don't know how important it is, but eh, it's interesting. Nonetheless, they haven't been in disarray in a while. So, floridasportsnetwork.com. Download what you missed. All right. This started in the Twitch chat room during one of the commercial breaks, and I think you may have brought it up, David, in asking about breakfast for dinner. Can you eat breakfast for dinner? Right. That was a question that was asked of us. I was traumatized as a child by my mother trying to pull off this pancake dinner thing one evening of my youth. I was so scared that the neighbors would see us and make fun of us that I closed all the blinds in the house to make sure no one could see in while my mother made breakfast for dinner. You were that horrified? Horrified. You don't eat breakfast for dinner. Wow. How old were you, by the way? Eight, ten? Nine, ten, somewhere in there. Okay. Wow. The thought of having breakfast for dinner was horrifying. I have to admit, so your parents' divorce didn't traumatize you, but mom trying to have pancakes for dinner, that traumatized you. Well, they didn't get divorced until I was in my 20s, so it wasn't that it wasn't that traumatic. I was wishing for it many years before that. Like, could you guys, if you're, if you're keeping this thing together for me, can I let you both know you're better apart than you are together? Uh, it's funny how everybody knows that before the actual people in the relationship. It It really is. Spoken from two guys who know. Anyway. But I feel, you know, I could put this up as a poll question, and I feel like I'm going to get killed because 
People are all into breakfast for dinner. Like when you go to a brunch place, if you go to a brunch buffet, and they have all your breakfast items, but they have like the prime rib. You don't get the prime rib first and go back and go, you know what I wanted? Some eggs. You start with your breakfast and you move on to the to the meal portion of the day, the, the big food. Can you possibly, just possibly, if you start off with lunch, though, and can you go back and have a breakfast item or two, okay, more like sides, and grab them after the fact? Well, if one of them's bacon, because there's never a bad time for bacon. See? Okay. Can you, though, just... See, I'm a sucker for anything you could put syrup on. So after the fact, you know, some people like a dessert for sweetness. I could be enticed with a French toast or a waffle. For dessert? Yes. That That's really impressive. I mean, that is that is pathetic and really impressive all at the same time right there. I'm, I'm really happy that you're my friend when I hear things like that. <laughs> And so I understand the grief I would get if we were sitting at the same table and I have already eaten in most people's estimation. And then I would go up and most people would be going, oh, he's going to come back with a little ice cream or a little sherbet. Actually, what I'm going to come back with is three quarters of a plate of something that has syrup on it. See... I'd like to tell you I have a problem with this, but because of the whole chicken and waffles thing, right? that's throwing a wrench in it because it's the only time that I can, you know, advocate for syrup after lunch is with chicken and waffles. So I can't completely take it away from you because I've, I've had, you know, I've had the chicken and waffle dish later in the day. You know, Arch makes a very good point in our Twitch chat room. You know, many of us do not have a problem having dinner for breakfast now usually it's leftovers usually it's the next day but you know whether it's pizza you know mark in my case anything not nailed down you know anything that could easily be opened all right you know boom there it is it's done what'd you have for breakfast ah, i had the leftover you know whatever i don't know as george carlin once famously said it's meat cake it's good David, there's no doubt because I made pot roast yesterday. I could get home from the show and just open <laughs> the leftover pot roast and start eating it cold. There's, there you there's go. There's no doubt about doing dinner for. And you and I are both advocates of just open the container and eat it cold. We're not messing around with this whole warming it up thing. But if at five o'clock I put a big thing of waffles in front of you, okay, and your own maple syrup, boom, there you go. And you looked at me like, what the? And I'm like, oh, that's it, man. I, you, you had pot roast at 1030 in the morning. You can have waffles at five. You can. I just frown upon breakfast for dinner. I'd have to shut all the drapes. I'd have to shut the house down. It's awfully late for syrup. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. 21,000 so. is the number. <laughs> I mean, it could have been our poll question today, but eh, we'll just do it. You know, eh, what do you say? Can you actually, can you do breakfast for dinner? See, I'm from Jersey. The whole diner thing. We can do breakfast pretty but, much any damn time. But 3 a.m. 
is a breakfast time. Yes, that doesn't count. That's way beyond dinner. But, you know, sometimes, yeah, you, you there's only room at the counter. You sit at the counter. What do you want? I don't know. What can you make me up fast? It's like, well, I mean, I could do a patty melt or we could do eggs. Oh, I didn't have eggs today. Felipe, can you do breakfast for dinner? Uh, it depends. It's kind of gross. I mean, I could I could have like a bagel sandwich, if you want to call that breakfast. You can have bacon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess technically it would qualify, but not really. Kind of gross did come out there. He did. I right. mean, he was wishy-washy once again with his answer, but he gave us enough in the answer that we can deduct that he really doesn't like breakfast for dinner. I'd rather have dinner for breakfast. See? I, I think, quite frankly, we're all, a lot of us are biased. Okay? I think we're prejudiced, quite frankly, against breakfast. Although one time I had dinner for breakfast on this show and I was out. Remember when I had that chicken and pasta and I smelled up the whole place? Oh, yeah. We do. Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> but I, I, I think breakfast is getting a bad rap here. I really do. I think we're biased against breakfast. This is like an East Coast bias. All right. This is like Syracuse, always getting an at-large here. I, I think that there's an anti-breakfast bias here. And it's only coming from Felipe and I because the Twitch audience, the text audience, are and you are all for breakfast for dinner. Listen, there's never a bad time to eat. Okay, I just think that this is something that has been programmed into us. If we took it away and just said you can eat whatever, whenever, eh, okay. All right, that's fine. Oh, no, 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 no. It's the morning. You must have eggs or cereal. Okay, and Mark. In the middle of the day, you can have something that involves lunch meat and bread. And then at night, it must be something in which it is meat or fish or chicken, and then potatoes and a vegetable. Hey, you seem Never. to have this. You got it right. You're on to something there. It's called breakfast, lunch, it. dinner. Whatever, please. Morning, noon, and evening. That's what it is. Marco in the Twitch chat's convincing me, though, because he said hash browns. Never a bad time for a hash brown. Yeah, there is. Dinner. <laughs> I want a baked potato. I want some sour cream. I want some butter. I'd like some chives on that thing. You want to put bacon on there to have a breakfast food on there, go right ahead. But I don't need my hash browns for breakfast. Miller and Moulton. Thanks for listening. Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes until the top of the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Thanks so much for being with us, David Sampson, Pat Kerwin, to join us on the show tomorrow, at the very least. At the very least. Big day tomorrow in the NFL. It's the last day that you can tag somebody. So the Giants going to get a contract worked out with either or both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Lamar Jackson. Do the Ravens just simply put the tag on him and okay, let the games begin? What do you do if you're the Giants? 
Okay, this is going to shock a lot of people. I'm prepared to let Daniel Jones walk. I am. If Daniel Jones is a free agent, you tell me the team and the offer. Is anybody, do you think Carolina, New Orleans, let's go right down the list? Because you got to remember, there are teams right now that are hell bent on drafting a quarterback. So if you look at teams in the top 10, you got to figure, well, they're not going to go after Daniel Jones. They're going to draft their quarterback. Okay. So you tell me, and Carolina's picking ninth, by the way. So maybe Carolina thinks the price is going to be too much to get up to where it is we need to get to to get one of the guys we want. So we'll sign a Derek Carr, a Daniel Jones. You tell me the offer Daniel Jones is going to get. I Look it, I've thought all along it was a three for 100 type of guy. I don't think he's worth more than that, and, and he thinks he's worth four for 160. Uh, or 180. I mean, now listen, this negotiations, and if you think you've got the leverage, and by the way, the Giants gave you the leverage in a sense because they didn't pick up your fifth-year option. I mean, they could have had them for $22, 23000000 million this year. But they last year, they went, we ain't picking up our fifth-year option on him. We don't even know if this guy can play. Turns out, hey, he can play a little bit. By the way, quick trivia question, Mark. How many touchdown passes did Daniel Jones throw this year? 15. I was going to guess 19, and I would have been high. That was the number 15. in my head, and I'm like, that can't be it. I was Then I had to go higher than that, and it still wasn't there. Now, did he arguably have the worst wide receiving core in the league? I think he did. But if I'm the Giants, I'm not going to say this publicly, and I'm not going to say it to him in negotiations, but I'm looking around going, let me get this right. So we put Dable around him, who was instrumental in helping Josh Allen become Josh Allen, we put Kafka at, quarter, at an offensive coordinator around him, who was Mahomes' quarterback coach for over three years, okay, who Mahomes said really good things about. And they put Dable's system into place, in which we all have seen in numerous spots, by the way, how effective that's been. So he finally gets some coaching and he gets a system. I'm sorry. I'm willing to play hardball with Daniel Jones. I'm willing to lose him. I'm willing to go Tyrod Taylor, Mitchell Trubisky next year. See, I'm looking at the Giants' big picture if I'm running the Giants. The Giants are not close. I don't care that they made the playoffs and they won a playoff game. With the difference from where the Giants are to where the Eagles are, minimum two years. Minimum. I mean, I can go through the list that the Giants do not have a wide receiving core. The inside of their offensive line is terrible. No depth at defensive tackle. Not a proven pass rusher. One good cornerback on the roster. Their inside linebackers are the worst in the league. I got issues. I got issues. I am not going to let a quarterback that I think is, uh, I guess he could be pretty good. So instead of walking, would you slap the transition tag on him there for the lower money? And if someone wants him and negotiate with him, you could have the opportunity to walk away and take a couple of first round picks. Yeah, I think I would. Or first and a third, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. See, I'm sorry. And 
I know what the Giants are going to do. When they don't work something out in the next 30 hours, they're going to tag them, and they're going to pay them $32, 33000000 for next year, and both sides are going to be unhappy. And that's probably what I should do if I'm running the Giants, Mark, and then basically say, well, prove it to me again. What do you do with Barkley then? I mean, because that's the other part of this is that you only got one tag. Right. Okay. You're not going to like this. I'm actually tagging Julian Love, their safety. I really am. I am willing to roll the dice with Jones and Barkley. I'm tagging Julian Love. I mean, that I'm looking at them totally different than everybody else. It's kind of like the Tampa Bay Bucks. Okay, I'm willing to tear it down right now. Let me ask you a question. All right, you pay in Devin White? Yes or no? Because if you're going to pay him, you got to pay him now. You sign him to the extension now, because otherwise he's a free agent at the end of the year. You know, this is Roquan Smith all over again. All right, the Bears decided they weren't paying him, so they traded him, let Baltimore pay him. I mean, I'm, same deal. Mike Evans, we talked about this. I love Mike Evans. There's, I want to give the five-minute presentation for Mike Evans in the Hall of Fame. That's how much I love Mike Evans. Okay, I'm trading Mike Evans if I'm Tampa Bay. I'm trading Devin White, all right? I mean, I'm tearing this sucker down. We're below 500, and we're $55 million over the cap. It's time Some to pay the of- piper in Tampa. It, it yeah. really is. You could... You- you could look at Tampa, and we've talked about this a few times. Can they pull off what the Eagles did and be able to take one bad year and be able to essentially on the fly turn this around in one season? Also, why why keep all these guys together for another year? You don't have a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be any good this year. I mean, seriously. And even if you manage to win the worst division in football, the exact same thing's going to happen. You're going to host a playoff game, but somebody's going to come in there and destroy you. I mean, if, if I'm Tampa, I'm willing to look at this apparently totally differently than how they're willing to look at it. Because all they can see is it's a bad division that we can win. We're back in the playoffs. And they know the other side of this from a business side, David, they know when they tank, there's 30,000 empty seats in that place. Quickly. And don't yeah. think that doesn't factor into the equation. It does. It does. You know, they don't have that issue in New Jersey. Now, I understand, you know, if you let your guy walk, now you don't even have a guy that good. Never mind, we can debate whether or not you can win anything with that guy. And once again, Mark, what side are you on with Daniel Jones? Are you thinking, well, he finally got some competent coaching and look at what he brings to the table. He's accurate. He's athletic. This is actually the new style of quarterback that you want. You know, David, I'd probably tag him and bring him back if I couldn't sign him because the point that you make, their receiving core was God awful. Yeah, not good. And there were enough flashes there with bad receivers that I would like to take a chance and maybe surround this guy with a couple of good players and see what happens and see if Dable's system can turn him into the next Josh Allen. And as for Saquon Barkley, 
reportedly the Giants offered him like four for 50. 12 and a half a year. McCaffrey's making 16. Henry's making 15. He said no. Okay. Good luck. And the other thing that I'm taking into account here is, is that I don't think we're a championship contender for two more years. So now when I re-sign Barkley, he's played seven years in the league entering the 2025 season when now I think we're ready to compete for a championship. I'd have no problem parting ways with Barkley, particularly this year when I know I can get a running back that can probably start maybe on day three of the draft. Now, letting the quarterback walk is a totally different animal. I couldn't do it. I'm not prepared to make the move you're making. If the Giants are, we know everything we need to know about Daniel Jones. But I can't do that. I thought there was enough improvement this year that I want to keep him around. I would rather not see the tag and... You know, four years where you only got to guarantee three, I'm fine making that move. Okay. So you're okay because the thought is the cheapest you're going to get Daniel Jones for is very high 30s. So that's like four for 150 is 37 and a half. So you're probably going to have to even go four for 152. And you're going to have to guarantee probably the first three years. So you're guaranteeing 110 plus million dollars. Daniel Jones. Now, granted, I mean, Tyrod Taylor's your backup. And we all know the other quarterbacks that are out there that you're you know going to sign to either compete with Tyrod Taylor or what have you. But I do think if you're the GM of the Giants and the coach of the Giants, the coach who just won coach of the year in some places, you now have some cred. You can call on it. You can take a step backwards here and do what's in the best long-term interest of the organization. Member in Buffalo, where this guy, well, one guy was offense coordinator and the other guy was assistant GM. They make the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor and blow that team up because they knew this team ain't doing anything. This is about as good as we could do. You look at the Giants. You think they can do any better than what they did last year? Hell no. Hell no. This is the other thing, Mark. You and I are big into this stat. This is a Phil Steele stat, the close game stat. It's really difficult to go back-to-back years with a gaudy close games record. Take a look at the Giants' close games numbers from last year. Gaudy. You think they're winning all those close games a year later? They need to dramatically upgrade that roster just to get back to what they did last year, in my opinion. But the tag deadline coming. Wanted to get into you a little bit, David. I know you follow the Giants closer than most of us, so they have big decisions to make when it comes to the quarterback, the running back, and you even brought up the safety that all have to get signed. Now, no one thinks they're going to tag the safety. I Honestly, I'd get laughed. I, they would make so much fun of me on Wednesday, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday in New York if I was running the Giants because I tagged Julian Love. Oh, my goodness. They'd want me gone. I was a finalist for executive of the year. They'd want me fired. 
Unless, of course, you sign the quarterback and the running back between now and tomorrow. But I don't think they're signing the running back. I think they will get the quarterback signed one way or another. If anything, it's going to be, if not the franchise tag. You know, but then the whole Lamar Jackson game is going to start tomorrow afternoon. Or at least that's what we're led to believe. He'll get tagged, and then we'll see if somebody calls the Ravens and makes them an offer they can't refuse. Well, Lamar, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Because he may sit. I don't think it would be smart, but I think there is the possibility of this going really south if he, when he's tagged. And if he sits and he misses even a game, is he basically done? Or can you come back from that? Trying to see, find lo- someone who has. See, the, I think the locker room would welcome him back because guys know if he's the best we got, you know, it's business. You know, good for him. But the fan base, that's a different story. So, but you tell me. You tell me what you think. Like, A, do you think somebody will make the offer that they'd have to make to pry Lamar away from Baltimore? Yes or no? I don't. I don't either. Because the other part of that is you then have to pay him what he wants, which is a fully guaranteed contract. I don't think a team is willing to do that. Because once you do it for a second quarterback, the game has been changed. Now all quarterback contracts become guaranteed. And there's a lot of pressure coming from the league to make sure that that doesn't happen. But just like if if Daniel Jones hit the market, I mean, the the Jets, believe it or not, I actually think it might be the Jets. Like apparently the, the Saints are begging Carr to sign. And for whatever reason, he's holding out. He's waiting to see about this Aaron Rodgers Jets thing. Schefter, by the way, reported over the weekend. It's either retirement or the Jets for Rodgers is what he's hearing. Can't wait for that saga to end, huh? And it won't end anytime soon because it's easier for them with the dead cap money to trade him after June 1st. So I don't think any of this happens as quickly as people would want it to happen. But so anyway... That's tomorrow. Miller and Moulton, Tampa, St. Pete, Lake City, Port Charlotte. We thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning. The bonus hour in the 239 is next.